Welcome to the Her Sports Story podcast, where we share in the stories of former female athletes, connect on the transition out of sport, and create a space where the always an athlete tribe can come for connection and inspiration. I'm your host, Bethany Crouch, founder of the Her Sports Story blog and podcast, and former competitive gymnast of 15 years to an athlete advocate professional. It makes my heart so happy to connect in and share these former female athlete stories. And I am so grateful and excited that you are here to join us. Welcome back to the Her Sports Story podcast. Today we have Kirsten Sires. Kirsten is a former collegiate athlete turned entrepreneur. She is the founder and CEO of LRT Sports, a platform designed for up-and-coming athletes to use when researching colleges to go to and continue their athletic endeavors. This platform not only provides articles on being recruited or the student-athlete experience, but also provides ratings on college coaches. In today's world where technology is at the forefront, this is a great resource for up-and-coming athletes to use when going through the process of deciding where to continue their career. Kirsten and I talk all about her sports story and how this all evolved, and we had a great time, so please enjoy this episode with me and Kirsten. Kirsten, I am so happy that you are here to share everything from your sports story to everything you've created and what you're doing now. So thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it and I'm excited to to talk to you again. Yeah. So we had the chance of talking Oh my goodness. Was that a month or two ago? It was before you went on like a big trip, right? Yes. Yes. Before I went to Spain. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Okay. So it's, it's been a minute, but we were just talking like how our first conversation could have been like the podcast, (laughs) which I find happens all of the time. (laughs) But to get started, let's talk about your favorite moment in your sports journey. That's a good, it's a good question. Um, my favorite moment had to have been the moment when I was, after I quit my tennis team in college, that I ended up going to try out to be a walk-on for the soccer team and ended up making it. <laughs> that was probably the most excited I had been. And I think, like I told you, I didn't play soccer in high school. So I worked really, really hard that entire summer to make sure that I was remotely up to par with everybody else. I definitely was not up to par, but at least, you know, attempting to get there. Um, So I think for me, that was a really huge accomplishment because I kind of proved to myself and to a couple other people that I was able to completely make an entire sport shift. And um, then I ended up playing in college for the last three years. So it was awesome. And I remember hearing this now when you told me, I was, I was just like, this is so impressive. This <laughs> is so incredibly impressive to quit sports, not only like 
just in general or maybe at the, the high school level, but at the collegiate level. So I am really looking forward to our group here, hearing how, how this all transpired. Yep. So take us back a little bit of, you know, what sports looked like for you growing up and then transitioning into high school and then that recruiting process and then college. We will go over all the things, but give us a little bit of background um, so we can get a glimpse into your story. Absolutely. So um, sports for me growing up, I played anything and everything that my parents would put in front of me. Um, I played tennis. I played soccer when I was younger. I played volleyball. I played basketball. I even played boys lacrosse for a little bit. Wow. Yep. And then they came out with a girls lacrosse team and I said, I don't like that as much. <laughs> <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> um, yeah. So I, you know, I grew up kind of just playing everything and anything. Um, I always had a special connection with tennis, I, I would say. And, you know, going from, you know, being an individual sport athlete is very interesting, as we discussed last time, because there's a lot of pressure on you. There's also a lot of need for you to be performing, like, outside of your um, community team or your uh, high school team. You need to be in individual tournaments. So I ultimately made the decision to focus on tennis when I was in high school, because I knew I'd be traveling every weekend to go to tournaments. At the time it was USTA tournaments, the recruiting process for tennis has shifted a little bit, but you're still playing tournaments every weekend you're traveling. Um, and you're trying to dedicate, you know, as much time to that sport as possible. Hindsight is 2020. I wouldn't give myself that advice. I would say go play more sports, but at the time didn't know any better. My parents didn't know any better. So it is what it is. Um, and you know, for me, I think, um, my ultimate goal was to play tennis in college because I loved the team aspect of, or the, the thought of the team aspect of playing a college on a college tennis team. Um, because like I said, you're going through these tournaments, you're all by yourself. You're not on the team. Um, when I was playing doubles, wasn't really like a big thing to do in juniors. It started maybe like my last year of high school tennis, it started to get a little bit bigger in tournaments. So it was one of those situations where I knew I wanted to play in college. Um, especially being on a team and I always just had a competitive side. So I, you know, it was one of those things I worked really hard for. Um, and then, you know, once I got to college, it was a situation where I, my, my team was great. I mean, we won our league every year as far as, you know, being an actually like a good team and it's division three, but still is a good team. Um, and you know, we made it to NCAAs, but the whole time I, I wasn't really happy on the team because my coach and I didn't, we didn't mesh with personalities. We didn't get along, um, which, you know, it happens a lot. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's because there is a lack of communication in the recruiting process altogether. You have to deal with um, coaches and players who have a very limited amount of time that they can actually communicate. And when they are communicating, they're each, everybody's on their best behavior. Because every, you know, the kids want to play at the school, the coaches want the players. So it's this weird situation where everybody's kind of like a salesperson at the time. And that's not wrong on anybody's fault, but that's just how the process goes because of the, you know, restrictions put in place. Um, so I ended up not getting along with my coach and I decided, I knew I wasn't going to be a professional tennis player. So I decided for myself that I wanted to quit. 
but I wasn't, I didn't want to quit during the middle of the year. So I waited out the whole freshman year. Um, like I said, we made it to NCAAs. I think it, we made it to the second round. Uh, and then after that, I talked to my coach. I told him that I no longer wanted to be on the team and that I w- wanted to try out for one of, one of the other teams at, at Skidmore. Um, didn't go over as bad as I thought it was going to go, <laughs> but of course it wasn't like great. Um, and then I ended up going to the soccer coach there, told her the, the situation, my side of the story. I'm sure he told her, her his side of the story. Um, and then, you know, my coach said, why don't you do this? Why don't you take the summer and, you know, you have to pass this, all this fitness testing. You're going to have to, you know, come, come to the camp over the summer. It'll be with a bunch of high schoolers. But if you want to do it, if you want to be on the team, that's what you got to do. Um, I'll give you some feedback and we'll kind of figure out to see if, if you could be placed on this team. Um, fast forward to preseason. I went into preseason, not really like knowing if I was on the team or not there. Like I was kind of like in this limbo, like I got asked after the camp to preseason, but I wasn't officially on the team. So it was kind of like this weird dynamic for me Mm -hmm. and I ended up just, you know, completely like killing the fitness testing. I, I worked really hard. Um, and then after preseason, my coach like announced the whole team that I had, you know, finally joined the team. I even did the talent show. Uh, and I didn't know like anyone so I was on the team yeah yeah. (laughs) um they were doing the talent show in preseason like I hope I made this team (laughs) that's so yep so that's kind of like how my my journey went with my college athletics I was on the team for you know the last three years and I went from playing I think two games my sophomore year to I think it's like 15 or 16 games my senior year so I made a very big jump from one extreme to, to the next. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And through that, I mean, I think you, you reflect and you look back and you can pick out pieces of, of clues, right? Like, oh, I should have listened there. Or maybe from that experience, I could have made a decision here, right? We always go back and think, how could we have maybe done this differently? Right. Or, you know, and that's just part of the human experience to go back and kind of deductive reasoning, right? Yes. So I am curious then, what now, looking back, mm-hmm. what are some things that you, or what advice that you would give maybe someone in the recruiting process? Yeah, I think I have a couple of things. My first thing, and I mentioned it earlier, is play more than one sport, (laughs) like, you know, play for your high school team. Yeah. Play other sports, cross train, do whatever you need to do, because if you're good enough to get recruited in your sport, you're going to get recruited. They're not going to look at you and say, Oh, well, you're on another team. We're not taking you. Mm -hmm. If anything, they want that more so than anything. Right. So that's number, that's number one. Um, Number two, I would say 100% do as much research as possible. People are lucky now because they get, social media accounts they get to follow from the coaches, from the team to the school. Um, there's YouTube videos of, you know, kids at the school, whether it's in the news or not, you know, doing a campus tour or, um, at a football game or whatever it may be. So there's so much information out there as far as content. I mean, even on LRT sports, like the the website that I started, there's, we have so much information. We have interviews with coaches that, there's just so much out there at this point um, that we didn't really have traditionally mm-hmm. in the recruiting 
process. Oh gosh, ten years ago, right? I think we're on the same timeline there. (laughs) So true. Like we didn't have. I think MySpace was barely a thing when when you know we were being recruited, and that wasn't even being seen. You know, in a way, you could do research if that makes sense. We had websites, but a lot of it was. It was a DVD that you mailed, no? Yes, right. It was like the DVD. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember sitting down when I was a freshman with one of my friends who was a, a junior. She ended up playing tennis at Rutgers. She was an amazing tennis player. And I remember her handwriting like notes to coaches. Like you don't do that. You don't do that anymore. Right. And I remember going to like a college bound meet and taking literally a flyer. Like I had made a flyer of like, you know, each event and my skills on each event. And literally at this meet, coaches could just come like pick up flyers. And so we've come so far Mm -hmm. and that's why what you're doing is, is pretty incredible and fits exactly in the niche that, that probably needs to exist. So I want to provide this opportunity for you to explain and give us a background of LRT Sports. Sure. Um, so LRT Sports actually started from that whole experience, but it was also in an entrepreneurship class at Skidmore. And it was me and three other athletes there, two baseball players and a men's tennis player. And it was one of those situations that um, – our professor actually allowed us to basically start a fake company in the class and our grade was determined on how well we presented it to a group of like either alumni or parents of current students that were venture capitalists or private equity people or had some sort of like affiliation with investing and it was super interesting it was very cool um and every you know, there's groups of people, um, like I would say it's probably four to five students per group and everybody was coming up with their own business ideas and we were kind of helping each other out and we'd have to do dry runs and pitch it to each other. Um, but that's kind of how LRT was born was through this class. And it got to a point where, um, this was my senior year. And then after I graduated, um, I had a job and it was in finance and I decided that it wasn't, something I was super passionate about and I was super passionate about LRT sports and I wanted to have um, student athletes be able to have a voice and feel empowered to discuss um, their experiences with their coaches anonymously. So basically what it is is LRT sports is a rating platform um, for college coaches. So college athletes go on, rate their college coach, and then high school athletes are the people who are consuming that data. So back to our earlier point of recruiting process process being kind of funky, there's a lot of restrictions and um, NCAA rules around it, and you don't really get that much time to know the coach. Um, even though there's obviously tons of statistics around you as a high school athlete, you have your social media accounts, um, it's not the same for a coach looking at a, or for a, um, sorry, student athlete looking at a coach. So go ahead. I was just agreeing with you that this it at least, and I think what's a big part of it now, and thankfully technology is on your side. So like LRT and the generation that is going to be in that recruiting process, like go hand in hand. They use technology every day in many ways. 
but I think it's really interesting how they can actually like start to do this research and read reviews and talk with the coach and at this at that age too it's so challenging Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you remember, like I yep. remember 15 or 16, like talking with uh, college coaches and then um, literally I remember one saying to me, like, you need to make a decision now. And I just like hopped off a phone. Well, like I had maybe chatted with them a few times and vis- I did visit the campus, but on my, like did it unofficial basically. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, so taken aback, like, well, I don't know. And at that age fit or at 16, 17 years old, like it is, it is so challenging because it's another world. And so to have that, to have that platform that lends itself so well to the current generation, um, I think is extremely impressive. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I appreciate that because, you know, it's one of those things where, we hear a lot um, of people saying to us, like, we don't know where to start with our recruiting process. What do we do? Where do we go? And it's not, it doesn't matter what part of the country, it doesn't matter what high school you go to, everybody's kind of in the same boat, unless if they have, you know, more than one kid. So their first kid was kind of, you know, the guinea pig. And then after that, they get the hang of it a little bit more. But even still, sport to sport, the recruiting process is so different. Um, mm-hmm. And there's different timing with it. There's different ways to get recruited for every single sport. There's, you know, hockey, you can go play juniors after high school. You're not really going to get recruited straight out of uh, high school for uh, to play in college necessarily. It's different. And there's just so many different, like, unspoken things and um, ways of going through this recruiting process that people just don't know about. And I don't think they're supposed to know about it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, only 7% of high school athletes go on to play in college. That's a very small percentage. So that's a small mm-hmm. percentage of people able to get that information back out. And that's not usually a priority. So, you know, there, there's a mix between wanting to have the next generation be as informed as possible. We want them to be able to use it. Um, but also on the other side of it, we want to call attention to really fantastic coaches that maybe aren't in uh, you know, a bulge bracket sport, we'll call it. Right. Uh, or, you know, coaches who aren't that great and, you know, are doing things that aren't okay to be doing and athletes are afraid to speak out against them. I mean, there, there's so many different situations, um, especially now. I mean, you hear in the news more and more coaches getting in trouble for verbal or mental abuse or, you know, any number of things but then there's also still to me the most shocking thing is there's so many amazing coaches out there that like don't get enough attention yeah and just because of you're right like maybe they're not the the popular the dominant d1 schools out there but they're the d2s or the d3s and i think there's this perception sometimes that like it's d1 or nothing like and that is not the case or shouldn't be the case at all. Your mm-hmm. collegiate experience should align with your values, should align with how, yeah, you want to be treated. And I, I think that, you know, at times you get wrapped up in a name or uh, the status of a university, but I'm a firm believer in that 
the institution you're meant to go to, like you can make the most out of it. And, you know, you don't have to be at a big school to have a, an amazing experience. And so I think it's so valuable to just, to just kind of bring that to light, mm-hmm. like you said, because yeah, there are incredible coaches out there at all levels and maybe ones that aren't always looked at because of, you know, maybe they're not the absolute top or at the top, but you can still have that experience. Mm-hmm. You can still, you know, go to college, play a sport, be a student athlete and get your education and still have one, a degree, right? Important. Yep. <laughs> That's that whole main thing. I mean, yes, we get to play sports, but we're also striving for a degree. Correct. It's, you get a degree and then you have basically this, this incredible network that a lot of students don't even realize or student athletes don't realize I have after college. And that network can be created at any level. 100%. Totally correct. And it's interesting for us because we, um, we run an internship program. And I actually just sent out an email today from every intern we've ever had. And we've had a total of 150 interns so far. Uh, In the few years that we have been in existence, we have like a rotational um, 10-week program set up that's remote. So it naturally draws in a lot of student athletes. I mean, we have, you know, a lot of non-student athletes as well. But I think just because of the topic at hand, a lot of people are interested in exploring what it is that we do and, you know, a startup and and a couple other things too. So um, I just sent out an email to all of them today saying like, Hey, we want to continue like a network of student athletes, student regular college students. We want to continue this network of former LRT interns that can kind of go through life. Like you all have this shared thing of you went through our, our internship program you're now in the workforce. You can talk to each other about what industries you're in. You can go through this whole um, thing together. And I think, you know, that's just one internship program. But like when, like you said, when you look at the scope of all the college student athletes out there in general, there's just such a huge network. And I feel like anytime I meet somebody who's a student athlete, you automatically have a bond and a connection and a lot in common. Um, and I even find it more for, you know, division three athletes know exactly what other division three athletes go through. Same with division one athletes. Mm-hmm. And even in, in between divisions, you still have an automatic, like we'll call it appreciation for the other person. And you just know some of the stuff that they've been through already. And you can relate on that, on that basis. So when you're going to get hired later in life, it's an automatic connection that you have with these people. Mm, so good. And you know, that resonates with me real hard because of, yep. because of her sports story and the community that, you know, I, I love creating a former female athletes. So it only, it only makes sense, right. To group in your interns to like group in former athletes or even current athletes, because you're so right. We do get it and like just when we hopped on a phone call for the first time we talked for like an hour it seemed like so easy went by so fast because we we get it and that's not to say that you know others don't or nor have similar experiences but you understand the 
journey that you went through from the most part and gosh, all of the grit that you developed in said journey. Correct. So in looking at it, you know, you have this platform and of course you have student athletes who are able to leave basically like reviews on it. What is, I guess, the the best way for a college athlete to do so or a former college athlete to leave a review for LRT? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is lrt-sports.com. And when you get on the platform, we actually like pre-uploaded all the coaches in the country. Like, and it's right now it's just head coaches, but it's every sport, um, every division, and it's even junior college and NAIA. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, they can just go on either search for their school or search for the coach in particular and just click add a rating. And, and there you go. Once you're on the coach's profile, you add a rating. It goes through a couple different questions as far as um, parameters of how the coach was. You can leave a comment. And then there's just a, another subset of questions kind of just like asking you about yourself that we don't publish or put anywhere because this is all anonymous. So we, mm-hmm. have, you know, everybody gets to do this anonymously. We don't share. We don't sell the information. We don't share that with anybody. As soon as it's like in and confirmed, it's randomized like a million times and we can never find out. And, you know, we have this whole process. but um it's just you know going on and, and reading the coach it's kind of like rate my professor that's what we always compare ourselves to it's it's mm-hmm. exactly like rate my professor i'm sure everybody listening at one point or another has yeah. right. um <laughs> yeah. whether it was to rate a professor or to view the information um or even yelp or any other you know rating website mm-hmm. out there we you we didn't really we didn't reinvent the wheel um you know we took something that existed and and works as far as Glassdoor, yelp rate my teacher rate my lawyer rate my professor and we just kind of put it into this industry um and it's i mean it's been controversial obviously there's people mm-hmm. that aren't happy about it there's people that love it there's um you know and everywhere in between but that's kind of the reason that we're here is because it is a controversial area of right. um, life, you know? Mm-hmm. And just like you're researching anything, I mean, for, for those athletes kind of going through the recruiting process, like, in all honesty, like, this is such a life lesson. Like, being recruited is a is, – there's so many tools there for life. As far as doing research, you're going to get conflicting reviews. Mm-hmm. No matter what you're researching, you're going Correct. to get different opinions. So it's only, you know, just another resource, another tool for you to weigh that information, to really dig into it and to use a variety of platforms and a variety of resources to start to craft that decision. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I think a lot. Again, we're talking about the the 16, 17 year old here. Yep. (laughs) It's very challenging, but that like, at least my advice, and I know Kirsten, like you, and I probably sit very closely on this, is to do that research, to talk to coaches, to talk to teammates, to talk to former athletes from that institution, you know, if you can, including using a platform like LRT. 
Absolutely. And I even think using the school's website to view, you know, the schedule, who are they playing? Yeah. What was their win-loss rec record for the past 10 years? Because, you know, if there's a coach who's been losing for 10 years and the record's like, you know, two and 10 or whatever sport you want to pick every single year, something's probably not going to change after 10 years. You know, mm -hmm. there's just things that you want to look into. If you're a goalie for soccer or if you're a specific position for a sport, guess what? If there's 10 other goalies on the team already and you're coming in as a freshman and everybody else is a junior or senior, and that's a very unrealistic number to have 10 goalies on a team, but you get my point. Like you have to look for those things on the roster. You have to understand that you could have your absolute dream school in mind. You could say, I know in my heart of hearts, I want to go to University of Michigan and I want to play volleyball there. And the volleyball coach might not want you. And you can either make the decision to go to University of Michigan and live out that dream, or you could make, you know, live out the other dream of playing college volleyball, but it's not, it might not be there. And that's not to say, I mean, obviously shoot your shot, look at Baker Mayfield, like perfect example of just not listening to what anybody told him mm -hmm. and going through, but he worked so hard and he, you know, took chances and he is now an NFL quarterback and probably going to be a franchise quarterback. In my opinion, I know that's probably a controversial thing to say. <laughs> People won't agree with that, but you know, it's just one of those things where I'm not saying don't shoot your shot because you should 100% be reaching out to those schools. But if somebody straight up says, no, I do not want you on my team, you might have to accept that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I'm a firm believer in that you're meant to be where you're meant to be and that it all kind of falls into place. And even if it's not the, the, the dream experience that you hoped for, you, you know, like you learn these lessons along the way. Mm -hmm. that prep you for life and your journey beyond sport. And so at least when I have the opportunity to talk with athletes that are, that are in that process, I just let them know, like, you might feel like there's a wrong decision, but there really isn't because even if you end up transferring or whatnot, like that's a part of it. And like, totally debunking the myth that you know you get to college and you play four or five years and your senior year is your best year and you mm -hmm. win a championship and so I, I just want to bring reality to to that and I think you're very much doing the same like we completely can agree on the fact that it may not be the d1 dream school that you you think you want to go to but it might be the d2 school where you have the opportunity to play and you have the support you need um to excel where you are 100 percent. we we yeah. have a, we have a series on our um the section of our website we call the huddle which is like where all of our articles are news articles whatever it may be and um it's called recruiting horror stories and yeah. <laughs> you know it's a lot of different situations it's somebody not doing well in their sat or act because they didn't study and they didn't get into the school they thought they were going to go to you know there's one of uh somebody who went on a recruiting trip and their host got drunk and threw up on them so they didn't end up going to that school because it was a very weird situation and like <laughs> there's just so many different 
we, we try and draw from all these different stories of, hey, tell us what happened. Most of the time when we talk to those people, it's like, yeah, I went through this, but like I actually ended up getting recruited by this really awesome coach. And it was a school I had never heard of and I did some research and I actually ended up really liking it. Or I went to this school, I thought it was going to be one thing and it turned out being the complete opposite. So I'm happy that I, you know, cast a wide net and was talking to a bunch of different coaches because you don't really know, you know, and I, I, I said they have YouTube and, and social media earlier, but you really still don't know what it's 100% like until you're actually right. on the campus yeah. at your recruiting trip when you're going to a class and eating in the dining hall and, and feeling the vibe of the team. That's all stuff that you can't really research. Your research is actually going there and doing all of that stuff. Um, but it's just, you know, such an interesting thing because most of the time for those recruiting horror stories, they say like, this happened and it wasn't what I expected, but it actually weirdly ended up working out. Yeah. Which, which I love. I, I absolutely am am so for that part of the journey again looking back like looking back now right like probably when we were in it or like when you were deciding to leave tennis Mm -hmm. it didn't it didn't feel good we cannot say that like oh it was a great decision I felt great you know it but it was a part of the process and it was much needed Mm -hmm. and whether we wanted it to be or not, but it led us to where we are today and it led you to creating the platform that you've created. 100%. So, totally. Yeah. yeah, and I, I'm so excited to see kind of where it goes and I'd love to hear your vision of where you would like LRT sports to go. Yeah, I think um, expanding it to assistant coaches and position coaches is super important for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially for a lot of different sports like track and field, um, football, baseball, like they're not always necessarily with that head coach. Mm, Uh, And they're with, you know, another coach that specializes in one thing. And that depends obviously on the funding and of the school and of the programs. And there's a lot of different factors to that statement. But most of the time when you're dealing with some of those sports, you are dealing not directly with the head coach. Mm -hmm. So I think getting those on the platform is super important. Um, I think it's one of those things where where we didn't want it to be a total, like right now we have um, over 30,000 ratings on coaches but we didn't want it to be where we had so many coaches on the platform that it was like oh my god I feel like none of these are rated if you're if you're a high school athlete going through so we're kind of waiting to build a little bit more ratings up and then once we get to a comfortable point I think we'll expand it to the assistant coaches um Mm -hmm. position coaches so that's first the first thing and then you know we just launched a subscription model um which has been going really well for us but getting some high school parents and athletes on the platform um, having the ability to save the coaches side by side, to compare them, to, um, you know, request information about things to do with, you know, Hey, what does it even mean if, if I'm going to play division one and my team loses every year, does that mean like, should I go D three and like asking some sort of questions? We don't do like consulting or anything like that, but it's more just mm-hmm. like, having access to somebody who might be able to answer a question via an online platform or we can refer them to a great person who um, does consulting and just kind of diving more into that platform. We've also come up with these really fun like 
downloadable content pieces where it's like, hey, here's a report card for your parents on like how they, you know, you went, you just had a game with that or you just had a game they went to watch. Did they like scream in the stands? Did they, um, were they supportive? Did they do this? And, you know, there's, we have one of those and then we have like a college report card where it's like when you're on your recruiting trip, here are things that you should be thinking about and you can actually give these things grades. And then you can go back after your fifth college that you've seen and say, oh man, I totally forgot that I really liked X, Y, and Z about this first college. And right. I, I wrote it down, so I'm, I'm fine. So, um, you know, I think that between the subscription model and adding that on there, uh, adding the assistant coaches and position coaches on there, it's going to be a really cool um, platform. But from the beginning, I've always wanted to be sort of like a one-stop shop for you know, understanding college athletics as a whole. And, and it's not just a recruiting platform. Um, mm-hmm. We have assistant coaches that are on our platform looking at how head coaches are interacting with students. We have, um, you know, college athletes that are looking to transfer that are looking through our articles or um, reading about our interviews with professional athletes and their advice from going from college to pro. So, you know, it's an interesting thing because typically speaking, what we do and and all the companies around us, it's heavily recruiting based, but we're not just recruiting based. It really is trying to understand everything to do with college athletics. Mm, I love it because I, I, I kind of envisioned something similar, like for the athlete, like post-life to have this all-encompassing world or ecosystem where it's hitting on so many areas. Yeah. And I think what you're really doing is you're providing the platform, of course, for the coaches, but just that insight, like even just to hear from a former athlete or if a former athlete writes an article for you all that an up and coming student athlete can get a glimpse. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much value in peer to peer um, reviews and communication. So I totally see it for you. It's going to happen. <laughs> You're already on your way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just really sharing stories, Jay, just like you do. It's in a, a different way and a, a different platform, but it's still at the end of the day, sharing stories from current and former athletes, current and former coaches, mm-hmm. uh, and just trying to, and even parents who have gone through the recruiting process, who have mm-hmm. advice about how yeah. to feel athlete there you know your your children being an athlete in general so there's just a lot to what we do it, it's it's always an interesting conversation to have with people because it's like we're going we're peeling you know the layers of the onion and and like yeah well, we do this but we also do this and, and the easiest thing and the biggest catch in the beginning is yeah we have the coach ratings it's like rate my professor but for college coaches but we also have all of these other stories I mean we have over 500 articles on our site at this point that are primarily, you know, either something to do with news or NCAA rules, but also the stories of those athletes. Mm, Yeah, it's so good. And I'm just sitting here kind of like reflecting on my experience. And even just as an athlete, uh, going through not only the recruiting process, but being an athlete for so long and experiencing burnout, and I'd always wanted and wished for 
you know, this either a mentor or someone that could understand, right? I mean, we have our parents and they say like, oh, we understand, but like neither of my parents, although they were athletes, they didn't go to the collegiate level. Mm -hmm. Um, So just to have a place where you can feel understood, especially around that time of 16, 17 years old, where you feel Mm -hmm. like no one understands. (laughs) But the truth is like, there are so many former athletes that, that went through it all types of experiences. And so thank you for, for providing a place where, where that can be brought to light. Well, yeah. And you too. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I absolutely love it. And before I let you go here, I want to talk about how you manage you like as an entrepreneur and a former athlete. And we were just talking about how we have these expectations that we want to be great at everything. And I think, especially when an athlete transitions away from sport and into the career world to of course, keep that Mm -hmm. aspect, but understand things are going to be hard and they're going to be new and you still have to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. through that process. So talk a little bit about, how you manage you through doing all that you're doing. Yeah. Um, that's a great, you know, thing to touch on. I think, you know, I, I, I might've had this conversation with you the first time, but like, I'm no lie. After I was done with college sports, I went through like a mini depression. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Because it was one of those things where at first I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so great. I got a break for once in my life. I don't have mm-hmm. to, like do anything. Nobody's telling me like what to do for a workout and I could actually just like relax. So I think like the first, like it was probably that first summer when you still feel like, Oh, I'm going to go back for preseason. And like, I'm gonna, it doesn't really hit you. And so I started my job and I I was sitting at my desk and I wanted preseason and I literally cried at my desk, <laughs> like, like crying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I don't get to do the talent show. The thing I, you know, dreaded three years prior. I was like, oh, I don't get to do the talent show this year. Um, so I think it took me a while to get in my groove. And for any athletes that are like going through it now or upcoming on that or whatever it may be, that's okay. Because I feel like a lot of people go through it. It's an identity crisis. Like totally you're no longer playing a sport. And that's something that you've done from the time you were probably like five or six years old in some capacity. So. Yeah. I think that was tough. And then I kind of had to like realize that I was going through this and accept it and figure out ways to, um, I guess, counter it. Mm. And for me, the biggest thing was like understanding, like, I'm never going to be like a college athlete again. And that is, it's okay. And it's over. Um, but what else is going to make me happy in, you know, the outside world. Obviously I love my job. I love what I do. Um, so that was always great for me because I, I do love LRT sports and it's something I'm passionate about. Um, so it was finding other things to do. Like I kind of play tennis here and there. Um, I joined like a corporate soccer league when I was in New York city for a little bit. Uh, and like just finding, like realizing that you still need to keep working out and you still need to keep doing your things just to make your mental health, you know, great and just kind of managing yourself in that regard. And honestly, one of the things that I picked up too was a little bit of meditation, not transcendental Mm -hmm. meditation or anything, but just mindfulness and 
you know, appreciation and everything else like that for me was really um, important. Mm, so good. Because I think that one, we don't always anticipate it. Mm-hmm. And then two, there's not, there's not like this, just like one thing that's going to make it feel like you're a college athlete again. No, or like that, that, that soul connection that you had to your sport. Mm-hmm. So like you were saying in the experiences you've had from, you know, playing tennis on the site here and joining the corporate team here and dabbling in meditation and mindfulness, like that's all a part of figuring it out and finding what lights up your soul yeah. in, a, in a different way. Because I think that, like you said, like we're, you had the realization you're ever going to be a college athlete. And I think sometimes we get caught up in comparing like, well, shouldn't my job feel like my sport? Or shouldn't I care as much right. about my job as I did my sport? And the answer sometimes is no. And that's, and that's okay. Um, of course you want a career that fills you up and lights you up and it may do all of those things and be amazing, but it also may not be the same way that your sport did. Right. Exactly. And you know, listen, if anybody's out there thinking about starting like a league for people who aren't going to be professional at like some sort of amateur league or something, I think there's so many people that would sign up because totally, it doesn't really exist. Like I could go play tennis tournaments and stuff, but it's just, you know, again, there's that like, I played the corporate league soccer. That doesn't do it for you because half the people didn't play college sport, which is totally fine. It's fun. It's great to network and everything, but right. If somebody wants to make that for me, I'll come play. <laughs> I'll move somewhere. We will set up teams, travel, yep. jerseys, everything. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. Yes. Oh my goodness, I can see it now. Yep. That would be so great. <laughs> but it's so uh, funny. I looked into so much. I mean, I, I don't know if you did as well, but like I was like, should I go try and play another sport? Should I try and like figure something else out? Like what should I do? And it took totally. me a while to like really come to terms with like, you know, it's just, it's over. (laughs) I can't imagine how professional athletes feel, honestly, especially long careers. I can't imagine. Next level. Next level of just like, that's your whole life. At least with school, you know, you have your school, even though it's not always a balance, but you still have something fairly prominent in your life in addition to your sport. So I am with you on that. And yes, if someone would like to uh, create a team all about it, uh, I always say like for former gymnasts, like there's not really like a next, even a rec league, right? Yeah. Because one, we can't necessarily sustain that without being seriously injured. Right. Um, you know, for once we kind of lose all of those, those muscles we once used, but yeah, I always joke about like, let's have like a, a cartwheels on Sunday league, <laughs> or I go do cartwheels on the, in the field, <laughs> you go. I don't know, just something. But I honestly think like the best part of this is being able to like relate in it and share in it with other former athletes and connect on it. Like we are. Yep. 100%. So, yeah. It, which is, you know, brings everything full circle from us connecting to the platform that you have to the ability that it allows these up and coming athletes to connect with former athletes and connect with coaches in a way that, you know, they can obtain this information without actually being there just yet. You know? mm-hmm. So no, I, it's, 
so incredible. I love what you're doing. You're going to go far. And this platform is going to impact so many. Awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I, you know, we talked about it the first convo, but hearing it again is obviously very flattering. So I appreciate mm -hmm. that. And thank you so much for having me today. And hopefully somebody out there can learn a little something today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they can. Yeah. <laughs> nonetheless, just enjoying our banter. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Kirsten. Thank you.